So I have two boys, Judah who's five, and as you can probably tell from him running around, he keeps us on our toes, he's amazing. Um, and Cully, who's going to be nine in a couple of weeks. And Cully's the kind of person that many of his sentences begin with the words, did you know? Does anyone know anyone like that? <laughs> and um, he loves learning facts, and he loves sharing those facts whenever he can. And so many days I, I learn all sorts of really interesting and useful things from Cully. For example, did you know the word dreamt is the only word that ends in MT? Some of you are thinking, that can't be right. <laughs> did you know the word stewardesses, that we use a lot, obviously, is the longest word you can type with just your left hand on the keyboard? <laughs> Go and try that one. And did you know we are the only living beings on this planet that continue to drink milk after we've been weaned? Think about that. Cows don't drink milk. And not only that, but we don't even drink the milk of our own species. We drink the milk of an entirely different species. Milk that was specifically designed to be digested by an animal with four stomachs. But we all know there has to come a time when we move on from just drinking milk and we move on to solid foods. And, you know, milk just doesn't cut it anymore. And so the transition to solid food begins. You know, any parents here remember that first stage when everything was just mush. You pureed everything within an inch of its life. And the reason we do that is because we want to introduce our children to new foods and new flavors. And then we begin to leave little lumps in so that they get used to new textures. And then the lumps get bigger so that they learn to chew. And then we present them with the ultimate challenge, the steak. If you think about it, it's a bit like our spiritual lives. When we're baby Christians, brand new in the faith, we need spiritual milk to nourish us, to give us a great start on our journey of faith. However, eventually that milk isn't enough, and God wants us to be able to chew on and digest deeper things. And the Bible teaches us that only mature Christians can handle this kind of food. For example, listen to this. This is from the letter to the Hebrews. And the person who's written this is trying to explain to them something about Jesus that takes a little bit of a deeper understanding. And he's frustrated with them. He says this. There's so much more I'd like to say about this, the Jesus thing. But you don't seem to listen. So it's hard to make you understand. You've been Christians a long time now and you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you're like... Um, instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things a beginner must learn about the scriptures. You're like babies who only drink milk and cannot eat solid food. A person who is living on milk isn't very far along in the Christian life and doesn't know much about, what doing, about doing what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who have trained themselves to recognize the difference between right and wrong and then do what is right. So let's stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. And let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. So it's clear that at some point in our Christian life, we have to grow up and we have to move on to solid food. And this morning, we're just continuing with Paul's letter to the Christians in Corinth. And we're going to see that as well as the Hebrew writer, he's also frustrated and deeply concerned that the Christians in Corinth are still only able to drink milk 
when they should be on solid. So we're going to read. If you have a Bible, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, um, there's plenty at the side. You get someone to pass them along. Just pop up your hand um, if you want a Bible. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're just going to read the first four verses. It should come up here. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Pretty much what Paul's saying in this passage is, look, you've been Christians for long enough now, and I can't speak to you as mature Christians. And when he uses the word worldly, he's saying, you're still acting as if you don't have Jesus living in you, the way that you would have reacted and acted before Jesus lived in you. And when he says, are you not mere humans? He's just saying, aren't you just like those who don't have the spirit of God living in them? You know, aren't you just acting and reacting the way you would have without Christ? And that's basically what he's saying. So there's something not right here. These Christians are not where they should be. And enough time has passed that Paul doesn't expect them to be babies in the faith anymore. He expects them to have grown up. Before we go on to talk about this growing up, I just want to say, if you're a new Christian here this morning, um, it's absolutely okay to still be drinking milk. It's absolutely okay. That's natural. That's what babies do. And babies need milk. And we're not expecting you to hurry up and get the steak knives out before you're ready. So just relax. It's all fine. Have you ever craved a, a big glass of ice cold milk? Anyone? Yeah. I used to have a peanut butter sandwich and a glass of ice cold milk after school every day. And I remember sitting on the bus on the way home daydreaming about this peanut butter sandwich and glass of ice cold milk. I craved it. I couldn't wait for it. And in one of his letters to the church, Peter says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. Crave it so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. So in other words, any baby Christians, don't stop learning and growing. Read the Bible whenever you can. Be hungry and thirsty for more. Find out all you can and make sure you get to grips with like, the basics of the Christian faith, like who is Jesus and why is his death and resurrection so important? Why do we need to rely on him to save us? What does the Bible say about your future? What about baptism? How do I learn to pray? F keep finding out. The Bible calls these things the ABCs of the faith. It's our spiritual milk. And you know, just like breast milk is uniquely and perfectly designed to nourish a baby and to give it the best start, spiritual milk is that teaching that gives us the best start in our faith and nourishes us. And um, it gets us off on this path of complete reliance on Jesus to save us and to sustain us and to transform us. And um, God's promise to you is that by it you will grow. You will grow. Just keep reading and develop a love for the Bible and apply it where you can and keep asking the Holy Spirit to teach you new things and you will grow. For those of us who are maybe a little bit further on in the journey 
here's a question. Are you still growing? <coughs> Have you hit a, what's that word? A plateau. Are you still growing and maturing? Or are you due a growth spurt, perhaps? Someone once said, you're either going forwards in your faith or you're going backwards in your faith. There's no standing still. And so this morning we're just going to look a little bit at spiritual maturity, what it means to grow and be growing in Christ. And the first thing I want to do is just clear up two misconceptions. So first of all, number one, spiritual maturity is all about knowledge and gifting. This is not truth, this is the misconception. It's all about knowledge and gifting. Notice that Paul's reason in our passage for not being able to speak to the Corinthians about deeper spiritual things was not because they lacked knowledge or spiritual gifting. You know, it's not because they couldn't handle it in terms of those things. Earlier on in his letter, Paul actually says that they've been enriched in all kinds of speech and with all knowledge and that they did not lack in any spiritual gift. So it wasn't to do with lack of knowledge or gifting but it was everything to do with lack of godly character and their conduct towards one another. He couldn't speak to them as mature Christians because they lacked a spirit of humility and of love towards one another and of grace towards one another. And instead of that, there was jealousy and quarreling and selfishness and division. And that gives us a big clue as to what being spiritually mature might mean. You know, of course we want to study the word diligently. The Bible tells us to. And we want to grow in knowledge. But are we not allowing the knowledge to go from our head into our hearts so that it outworks in our attitudes with other people? That's maturing. And of course we want to be developing any spiritual gifts that God's given us, any talents, any you know, um, practical things that God's given us. But are we making sure the gift points others to Jesus and not to ourselves? That's a mature um, spirit. The truth is, unless we live a spirit-led, surrendered life to Jesus that puts others, other people before our own needs, then it's entirely possible to have great Bible knowledge and to have wonderful spiritual gifts, yet be spiritually immature. And that's something we want to avoid at all costs, right? We don't want to lack that depth of maturity when handling our gifts and our knowledge. Spiritual maturity, misconception number two. Is that spiritual maturity is reserved for the older people, the older generations. You know, growing old is inevitable, right? Yes. We can't do anything to stop it. We might use creams and lotions and procedures and injections and diet and exercise, but inevitably there's nothing we can do to stop it, unfortunately. The fact is, growing old is inevitable, but growing up is entirely optional. And as Christians, we have the choice from the moment we begin to follow Jesus to be growing and pursuing the things of God and pressing further into our faith, to be growing in grace, to be growing in wisdom, to be growing in humility to the point of maturity. It's a deliberate choice to grow. We choose, don't we, to allow the Holy Spirit to stretch us on the inside and to make room for more. 
we embrace the growing pains and the stretch marks because we know it leads to becoming more like Jesus. It's the choice to keep growing that leads to maturity, not the number of years we've been a Christian. We don't need to wait till we're collecting our pension to be aiming for maturity. It's not reserved for the older generation. Look what Paul says to um, a young leader in the church called Timothy. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Timothy, don't let anyone put you down because you are young. Teach believers with your life. Set an example by your words, by your demeanor, by your love, by your faith, by your integrity. Read the Bible, counsel the people, and make sure you're using your spiritual gift. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. Then the people will see you mature right before their eyes. Another version says, cultivate these things so that everyone may see your progress. I love this. Paul is giving this young man permission to go ahead and demonstrate how to live a mature life whilst he's still young. We need to cultivate, by the grace of God, maturity beyond our years. Cultivate maturity beyond our years. Whatever age we are, we don't need to wait till that next stage in life. Let's not use our age as an excuse for immaturity. God wants us to grow and be fruitful. And, you know, we have a perfect example. I know they'll hate me for doing this, but Scott and Sarah, they are young. Aren't you? (laughs) I'm young. They're young. And the reason we follow them is because we see them maturing right before our eyes. We trust them. We respect them. We follow them because we see Jesus in them. And I just want to encourage young people here, if, you've been, if you're a young leader in this church and you've been given responsibility to lead older people, don't be intimidated. If you live a life that is um, led by God, you're maturing, it will be easy for people to follow your lead. And, and for older people, maybe you find it hard to be led by a younger person. Don't write them off. Don't write them off. Let's listen to Paul's advice to Timothy. Let's cultivate maturity beyond our years. So that was the two misconceptions. Everyone all right? Scott's all right. (laughs) Brilliant. Okay, so here's, we're going to look at one verse in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14. It's going to give us three clues about spiritual maturity. Number one, spiritual maturity takes practice. Let's look at the verse. It says, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So, constant use. That's practice. Practice makes perfect. Anyone ever play an instrument and your teacher told you, practice makes perfect, you know, you've got to practice your scales and all that stuff. Well, constant use. But constant use of what? Here's something. Who, by constant hearing, believing, praying, obedience, use all the graces of God's spirit and in the faithful use of them find everyone improved so that they daily grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. Constant practice. Here's, um, I love this line from the movie Evan Almighty and um, one of the characters is just having a little chat with God. It's artistic license. (laughs) And he's saying, let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? 
If he prayed for courage, does God give him courage or does he give him opportunities to be courageous? If someone prays for the family to be close, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings or does he give them opportunities to love each other? It's all about having the opportunity to grow and mature. And where do we get constant practice to grow and mature? When we're around people. We can't grow into maturity in isolation. We have to be in community. And that is the wonderful thing about being in church. Being in church means we will become more like Jesus because we're around more people. It's not in isolation. True spiritual maturity is about learning to love like Jesus. So we've got to be around people. Number two, spiritual maturity is our responsibility. It says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Our personal growth doesn't lie with Scott and Sarah or Chuck and Taryn or our small group leader. It's our own responsibility to grow to hear and to respond. And you might think, well, that's quite overwhelming. You know, how can I do that in my own power? My, my willpower isn't enough. Well, you're right. It's not enough. But we have the Holy Spirit. God promises to partner with us in our growth. Look at Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill his good purpose. And this is clear. It shows two, um, two parts that are played in spiritual growth. It says the working out is our responsibility and the working in is God's responsibility. So it's a joint effort between us and the Holy Spirit. We're in partnership. So we're not on our own. We have the Holy Spirit always to help us. I just want you to know... Um, that this verse, it's not about how to be saved. We don't play any part in the actual saving. But it's about um, living out our salvation. Just wanted to make that clear. You know, during a physical workout, you exercise to develop the body you already have. You don't exercise in order to get a new body. Yeah? And that's a similar thing. You're working out your salvation. You're growing and you're maturing. And it says with fear and trembling. That just means take it seriously. Take it seriously. Number three. Everyone okay? Good. See, I don't have very many illustrations this morning. This is a serious message. <laughs> okay. Spiritual maturity is about discernment. Finally, it says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Have you ever seen a baby, a toddler, crawling along the floor and they just pick up and eat anything? They, they don't know how to distinguish between what's good for them and what's not good for them. And that's a bit like a young Christian, an immature Christian, who's maybe not making the best choices. Maybe doesn't know what's good and what's not good. Discernment is the ability to judge well, to make good choices. And, and as you grow and as you're in the Word and as you're asking the Holy Spirit that begins to become easier. You know, we all know the Bible says, you know, there's very clear black and white things in the Bible, right? That, that say, do this, this is good. Don't do this, this is not good. But what about those other things, the little decisions that are not, you know, clearly mapped out in the Bible, like what to watch on TV, 
what political position to take, what to invest your money in, what job to take, where to live, what to drive, what to wear, what hobbies you should have, when to speak, when not to speak. You know, all these little things that, that we, we need to make wise, godly decisions about. Paul prays about this for the Philippian Christians. He says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. Discerning what is best is our decisions that respond in love, that line up with the word of God, that reflect Jesus' character and bring glory to God, and that cause us to be more like Jesus. That's your measuring line when you're making your decisions. So, what we're building here is a picture that spiritual maturity is directly connected to how much of our lives we're willing to surrender and give over to the Holy Spirit to change us and transform us on the inside, to become more like Jesus. And what was Jesus like? He was a servant who ultimately gave his life for others. He loved people perfectly and he was perfectly mature. You know, we're not going to reach that perfect maturity in our lifetime. But as we grow and mature um, and become more like Christ, it outworks in our church family, in our lives, as we share life together. But I just want to say it's not about appearing perfect and flawless. That's not what it's about. Firstly, that's hypocritical, isn't it? Because it's impossible. And secondly, it's discouraging for new Christians to to think that you've got it all together when you don't really. And, you know, we're all still on a journey. Even Paul conceded that he's not arrived yet. We're all on this road together. And um, we have to be honest and real with one another. Paul says to Timothy, cultivate these things so that people may see your progress. You might be thinking, oh, am I making progress? You know, I've maybe been a Christian five years now. What progress have I made? Well, here's a little gauge to just think in your head, hmm, maybe I am on the right track. Who knows? Things that once seemed big are now small. Things that once seemed big are now small. Things that were once hard are now easy. Perhaps praying out loud was hard, and now it's easier. Perhaps being kind to a person that really rubs you up the wrong way has become much easier. Things that were once heavy are now much lighter. Things that you once dreamt are now a reality. Things that once shook your world are now a minor tremor. I think this is a key one, you know? Maybe a bad report from the doctor that would have absolutely just rocked your world. <laughs> is now a minor tremor because of the trust that you have developed in your life and also with the people around you, the openness that you have with people, that sense of community. And then things I once thought about for me, I now think about for other people. I think that's a real key one. That's a real sign of maturity when it goes from being about you to being about others. So, you know, just some things to think about and see where you are on this journey. As I was preparing this message, I really, I just didn't want it to be a list of do's and don'ts. And I was asking God, why this message? You know, what about all these do's and don'ts that, that I've just kind of touched on? And I really felt God say that 
This call to maturity is for City Church because he has big things planned for City Church to reach, people to reach, you know, lives to transform and change. And he can do it through anyone. But think what he can do through a body of Christians who are maturing and committed to constant growth, like dynamic, progressive change that, that allows him to do what he needs to do. And I think he is calling us specifically City Church, City Church St. Macher. We have much to do. We've got much to carry and he needs maturing Christians. You know, we, this call to maturity is not for individual purposes, it's for the body. Maturity is for ministry, it's for reaching out to other people, it's for um, our unsaved friends. The Corinthian Christians were so caught up with themselves and their own abilities, their spiritual gifts, and, you know, oh, I'm following this person, I'm following that person, and that makes me this, and that makes me that, that they completely lost sight of Jesus. And they completely lost sight that they were meant to be salt and light to the earth. Maturity is essential if we want to have greater impact in this community. And um, I just think God's calling us. Let's grow up together. Let's shift the focus from ourselves to each other. And I just, I just want to finish off by, you know, the whole thing started out by saying that solid food is for the mature Christian. You know, this solid food that you think, oh, what is this solid food? Is it understanding predestination? Is it understanding the Trinity? Is it understanding the book of Revelation? Who knows what that's all about? You know, what is this solid food? Well, if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it's talking about the deep wisdom of God the deep wisdom of God that is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, it talks about how really the deep wisdom of God is grasping his salvation plan for humanity. Before we were even born, before the world was even created, knowing his, deep, uh, knowing his plan for our salvation is deep wisdom. Thank goodness it has nothing to do with these other things but it has everything to do with how we live our lives in light of what Jesus has done for us. How we live our lives in the light of what Jesus has done for us. What's he done for us? He's died on the cross. He gave up his life in order that we might live. And we call that the gospel or the good news. The deep stuff is, when we truly grasp how his death and his resurrection has drastically changed the course of our life forever, that his sacrifice has made it possible for us to spend eternity with God. This is the deep stuff. When, when we know this, and when our hearts respond with such gratitude that it spills out into our attitude, that's the deep stuff. When we truly grasp that Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, humbled himself in order to lift us up to the Father, and our hearts are so moved and so overwhelmed by this, that we begin to humble ourselves and lift others up to the Father. That's the deep stuff. When we truly grasp that God loves us so much that he would go through the pain of losing his son so that we might be close to him, and our hearts are overwhelmed by his immeasurable love that we cannot stop it pouring out of us onto others, that's the deep stuff. When we truly grasp how much we've been forgiven of everything we've ever done and everything we'll ever do, that would keep us separated from God. And our hearts respond with such thankfulness 
that it becomes easy to forgive those who have hurt us, that's deep stuff. That's the solid food that immature Christians choke on, but that mature Christians, maturing Christians, thrive on. It's dying to self kind of stuff because we're allowing God to do deep work in us, and that's what's leading us to maturity. And yesterday, um, I was just on Facebook, and a friend in Canada posted this one line, and I couldn't believe it. It literally just sums up everything in this message. And it says, love God, love people, and commit to the process. Love God, love people, and commit to the process. And that's spiritual maturity in action. Let's stand and pray.